Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today. What would I create that solves a problem? I need to be in the middle of tantrums with my kids to get inspired to create. (laughs) Welcome to Conversations with Lulu. Inspired by her own experience as a first-time mother, my guest Sarah Shama founded Citron, a company that creates sustainable mealtime products for the family. Since launching in 2017, Citron offers over 200 products selling across 20 countries. We're going to learn about Sarah's journey from consultant to investor to entrepreneur and her experience in manufacturing products while bootstrapping her company. We're also going to learn about her plans and what it takes to build Citro into a leading global brand. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. It'll be great to start uh, with your journey um, that led you to entrepreneurship, basically. So I've said in my introduction that You have been a consultant, an investor, and an entrepreneur. So maybe take us through some of the highlights that have led you or prepared you to where you are today. Um, So basically, I came to Dubai in 2008. I started as in investment banking, Uh, went to consulting, and then was uh, working in strategy and investments at MBC. And I've never thought of myself of ever, ever being an entrepreneur, what that even means, because uh, I could I worked with so many entrepreneurs and I knew how hard it was. And all I was thinking to myself is I would make sure I would never go there because <laughs> it's too much work. Um, and then in 2016, I had my son. And he just happened to be the fussiest eater on earth. So uh, when the time came and I had to drop him at nursery, um, he never wanted his food to touch. And I had to pack so many small boxes and send him um, with so many different lunch boxes, so many ideas. And, and it was really, really, really challenging for me, but also for the teachers that needed to open so many boxes because the child would refuse to eat if strawberry touched his uh, cucumbers. He won't eat any. Um, So while having a simple discussion with a friend, I still remember saying, I can't believe we live in Dubai where everything is available. There is not one lunchbox with compartments. And then he said, what do you mean lunchbox with compartments? So I was literally drawing. And he said, what if I put you in touch with somebody in China and just draw something for him? He knows the factories and let him work on it. So this is exactly how the idea of the lunchboxes started. And while doing this, for me, it was a fun thing I was doing to solve my son's problem, where I was convinced we were 1% of the moms with unlucky fussy eaters mm-hmm. and, um, and just have fun and remove my head from corporate. Uh, we got the prototype after 18 months, tested it on my son, he loved it, and we brought them to Dubai. Uh, We brought about 3,000 pieces back in the days. Uh, I didn't have an Instagram page. I didn't have a photographer. I had nothing. And I didn't even have the knowledge of how to sell products to people. Because remember, I'm corporate. I know how to do Excel and PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. Uh, So basically, uh, we sent an email, I remember, back in the days to Mumsword and uh, Souk at that time. 
on Spree and said, I have this product, do you want them? And they said, uh, yeah, sure, we can list them on a consignment basis. I'm like, sure, perfect. And we actually sold out within three weeks. And they called and said, okay, now we need 11,000 for in two months. And I said, no, what do you mean? That was just a fun project. I didn't realize that I was not the only mom with the problem. And a lot of kids and moms were very grateful to, to have a product that made their life easier. And that, this is where I found myself really enjoying the process and feeling very fulfilled because I, I found myself solving a problem for someone else and impacting somebody else's life. And this is how the journey started. <laughs> okay. So, so what do you think? So you were an accidental entrepreneur. Uh, basically, you, had, you didn't want to build a billion dollar business. You didn't want to you know, exit to some big uh, player coming from abroad. Uh, you were just trying to solve a problem. It was like so basic that uh, when I tell the story, sometimes, you know, we all did business schools and, and helped entrepreneurs to build business plans and make sure they know their numbers, their niche, their market, everything. I didn't do nothing of that. All I did is create a product from a real need. And I think when you go from the product rather than from the money perspective, I never thought of profit. I never thought of margins. I didn't even know how much to charge to the end user because I knew the product costed me X and I'm like, okay, what is a good margin to get? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then as the years and as we started developing and having people and needing to pay salaries and stuff, we needed to increase our margin so we could pay for these things. But at the beginning, all this was not important for me because it was just a fun side project. Mm -hmm. Fun side project. So at what point, uh, let's, let's take a step back for a second. So let's talk a little bit about um, manufacturing, because I think, I don't know, if I think about it, it's something very daunting, right? I yeah. think, and maybe a lot of people have ideas, actually not maybe, I'm sure a lot of people have ideas, 99.99% of them don't act on them. So, but, uh, and, and I'm basically in the startup on the, on the technology side, and this is the, the business that I've built as well. So it's a bit, uh, it's less tangible, it's more intangible, right? You're, you're building code and, uh, and you're mostly working in an office and uh, you offer services mm -hmm. online. But for you, it's different, right? You had to actually find a manufacturer, you had to actually design a prototype. So can you take us through how daunting this journey was or did it come very easy or you had challenges? Something I keep on saying, and I repeat it here, I think ignorance is a blessing. That's okay. probably my favorite word, because if one would really go and see what are the steps we follow to get a product to be approved and listed on mm -hmm. a shelf, they probably won't do it, as you said, rightly so. If The more you know, the more you know it's complicated, and then you take a step back. But at that point of time, I didn't know. All I knew is that I needed to do a product for my son. And then once we started and it, it picked up, then we started learning as it goes. So manufacturing, so we manufacture all our products in China. But how did you start? Like, I'm, I'm interested to learn how did, so you said a friend of yours connected yes. you to someone in China. Yes. And then what did you do? So basically he was in touch with me 
probably on a weekly basis with like the person in China. The person is China who is uh, French. Okay. <laughs> But uh, oh, is lives French person in China. <laughs> okay. Person in China that lives in China. His job is to find the right factories for the right products you want to do. But okay. what we were doing did not exist. So for us to find the factories, we had to have technical drawings. We need to have um, a lot of information that personally I had no idea mm -hmm. of. If you tell me uh, we're doing a lunchbox with uh, a plastic, what type of plastic you want to use? Mm -hmm. uh, what, what, does it uh, go to the microwave or no? Does it uh, uh, go to the dishwasher or no? Is it safety for UK standard or for US standard or for French standard? Everything is different. And obviously I had no idea. All mm -hmm. I kept on saying was like, who are the strictest in the world? And then they would always say, it's the German. So from now on, I said, okay, all my products would be on German standards because I assumed that they're the strictest, so I want to follow them. So a lot of questions I was answering by just a lot of common sense and not knowing exactly. So luckily that agent that I had in China helped me a lot um, finding the right uh, factory. And then once we sourced the factory and we knew them, so usually the factories have an in, in in-house design team as well that okay. takes your designs and make sure they can produce them because okay. a lot of time they need to have the right machinery to actually create the mold. So basically any product you see that you want to create, we create a mold first mm -hmm. uh, and then the mold goes in the machine, they put the material and then your product is out. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds very simple, but it's not. It took us 18 months to get a prototype that works. Wow, 18 months 18 for a prototype. Months for a prototype. The, a prototype is a mold that you're happy with? Happy with, it opens, my son can open it, okay. he, I can wash it easily. Okay. Um, I see that it's not too big, it's not too heavy, it's, it can hold a minimum uh, food amount that was good enough for a kid at his age going okay. to nursery. So it was very much my son, myself and that guy. That's okay. it, nobody else. Mm -hmm. and, and throughout this journey, I learned a lot because um, they were coming back and forth asking questions and, and I had to, to come up with the answers as the client. Mm -hmm. And actually one of the questions uh, I had to answer at the end was, which, what do you want to print? What logo you want? Mm -hmm. Do you want to put your name? And I said, yeah, for sure. And they said, what name? And I, send us your logo. And I'm like, What name? What logo? What company? No, <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> and, and so you didn't think about building a brand while no. you were building the prototype? No. Okay. The idea was really just to sort the problem for that kid at that moment. I was surrounded by moms that were telling me their kids, it's everything. They don't have those type of issues. It was not a trend to send kids mm -hmm. as of today. You don't think of sending your kid with a normal lunchbox because we see compartments everywhere. Mm -hmm. But five years ago, it was not the case. Okay. So uh, it, it was much harder. And, and I thought truly that I was solving a personal problem mm -hmm. that nobody thought of. But the truth is, Now that I know, uh, everybody likes a compartment lunchbox because it's easier, it's cleaner, and it makes it look appealing. Although, even if the kid eats everything, the moms still prefer to, to pack yeah. it. It's tidier and stuff. So, But at that time, no, that was not the idea. It was just sorting his problem. But the Chinese factories, when you create your mold, they have a minimum order quantity. Uh -huh. So then they tell you, for me to turn on the machine and create your product, you need to uh, produce 3,000 pieces. It's a minimum. Not only produce 3,000, 3,000 one color. 
And I was like, what do you mean 3001 color? I can't do 3001 <laughs> color. <laughs> like, how would I know what color would work? And then they said, okay, fine. Since it's your first order, what we can do for you is we can give you, uh, we have uh, four, uh, so the factories buy the, the tint, right? That they put on the plastic. Mm -hmm. They said, we already bought those tints for another client that ordered something else so we can use them for you and i'm like yeah sure so they gave me probably things that they had in their factories that nobody wanted and obviously i had no idea but i had like a very ugly pink a very dark purple a mix of uh, navy blue with yellow i mean everything was wrong <laughs> so you know that i have not done it with the purpose to build a business but rather just to so i mean for me it was a fun project i'm solving my son's project and i'm doing something outside of corporate were you still working at the time yes oh wow so that was a side project it was for a very long time actually i i only left my job in 2020. do you recommend that for entrepreneurs uh i think for me i never it depends what you're trying to build and your bandwidth and the type of work and a lot of things and, and how comfortable you are with your company to do this or not. But I do recommend taking small steps and testing if you can. And I do recommend uh, always um, going from just an idea to a prototype, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. um, some people need to fully resign to just be focused and do something. But again, for me, it was just fun it, literally i didn't know that i had i would have so much um fun creating a new product mm -hmm. I, I didn't know that creating a product could be fun i didn't even know what it meant it's it's such a different thing because corporate again is just excel sheets and powerpoint mm -hmm. so it is a different word <laughs> so but it, i mean it worked you did sell you said you sold the first three thousand so yeah the story of the colors irrespective of yeah. the colors. And this is where you know you created a product that mm -hmm. was in need because really you hit on something. So once we sold out, um, the e-commerce we were working with started calling us and their numbers mm -hmm. showed that by Q4, they would have a huge uh, pick up with like all the white Friday, Black Friday and stuff like that. And they needed the SKUs that really worked mm -hmm. uh, to, to be more available in that three months. And this is where they started calling. And then I found myself really enjoying the process of creating mm -hmm. and, and I feeling happy that people would send us emails and say, oh, thank you, thanks to you, my son ate better at school and stuff like that. It really made me happy. It was not the money element I, I ever thought of. It was really the, the impact. Um, and then I, I said, okay, kids take a lunchbox and a snack box. So we created a small version of the lunchbox in a snack size so the kids can also have compartments in snack time. Then again, coming from my son, I realized that most of the water bottles in the region were not insulated for kids. Most of the brands insulate the water bottles to keep the water cold for adults because they come from the US and Europe where kids don't usually need uh, an element to keep his water cool because their temperature are just at yeah. a normal level. So we went ahead and said, okay, what if I create an insulated bottle for kids, which seems super basic, but if you have a kid in Dubai, you, you know what I mean. You, mm -hmm. keep, you forget the water bottle in the car and he comes back yes. and he's thirsty and it's a tantrum. Yes. So and you'd be like, you can't drink it, it's too hot, it's disgusting, and, and, and all that stuff. So we created the first water bottle that was insulated, targeting kids, and again, the uptake was massive. And every single time we try to create products to uplift the lives of people and not necessarily to copy anybody or anything. 
And the more we do it, the more we see that the products really work and we sell more and more. Um, as of today, we have about 13 patents and not only design... 13. 13. Not only design patents, also technicalities of things that we have changed. For example, if you think of a food jar, before it was to be, to be a tread mechanism, you know, where the kid like is struggling to open it. And then we worked with the factories and our product um, designer team to actually make it in one lock opening system. So the kid would just unlock it and then it stays hot. Everything is the same. It's just going above and beyond, mm -hmm. trying to solve real problems rather than just trying to copy or do something that already exists. So this is what we go with. And I think that's that's um, that shows a lot because you know when when I became a mother for the first time, I think every mother on the planet wants the best for her kids. Uh, no questions asked. And I think because you're doing it for your own child. Uh, that's why you were able, you didn't care about maybe, okay, how much profit I'm going to make out of it. And maybe that's why you went for the highest standards, the yes. highest quality, the best material, nice designs, etc. Yes, yes. And I think uh, maybe a lot of people, some people, entrepreneurs might not have that luxury to, um, to do that, or maybe the choice. Uh, but the fact that you did that, I think probably that's part of why your brand's so successful. I think so. And a lot of time we say very bluntly, whatever I won't give to my kids, I won't sell. Mm -hmm. So it's for me 100% and 99.9% .9 of my colleagues are women. So we have about 22 people working for us. And the most of them are working moms, a lot of them that, that were out of the workforce and came back. And between us, we have such a big segment of testers, which are our own kids. And we all go back to the same conclusion. If your kid was able to break it after six huges, it's not good enough. We know that our kids broke it, but it has to be kids proof because when you buy it, you're not thinking of in your mind, I'm going to change it after two months. Mm -hmm. I need to guarantee you that it will stand the falls of a kid X number of times. So we are always thinking above and beyond and trying to go into the very difficult pieces where a lot of big um, brands are not going because they're probably very busy making a lot of money of, of you know products that work and you don't e easily go. But for example, this year we're launching a first lunch box that keeps the food hot. So the whole box stays hot without the need of a microwave or anything and stays. So it will stay lukewarm after six, seven hours and really hot after four hours. And, and by doing that, we went above and beyond because we go to the factories and they said, if this was possible, somebody else would have done it. It's impossible. And we were like, we're dumb. We don't understand. We have engineers with us that say it's possible and it's costed us hundreds of thousands of dollars to crack, but we cracked it and it's launching in, in July. And I just think it's going to be a fantastic product to That's make amazing. people's life easier. But you got to break a lot of, uh, I mean, I was just saying this uh, recently. I, I, I was trying to put a car seat in, in my, for my, for my daughter in my car and I was like why are we in 2022 and still nobody has found a way to put a car seat easily and I'm like sweating it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fighting with yeah. the car seat so yeah. I think when we see those type of, of problems mm -hmm. and if anyone comes and tells you I'm giving you a car seat that is as secure as anything else but with the one click it will click on its own you're probably going to take it mm -hmm. because it makes your life easier yeah. 
But when a car seat is designed by a man that does not use the car seat, Mm-hmm. is a very different perspective. So what we're, we're, we are designing from an end user perspective, mm-hmm. not from a design perspective, that it looks nice, it's pretty, it's gonna sit on the shelves because it looks nice. No, we want it to be nice, but also to work. Functionality mm-hmm. is super important for me. Could have been designed my man actually because it's only my husband that can figure out how to put the car seat. I hundred percent. I always say <laughs> that to my husband. I can't do it for the life of me. It's just so hard. I always say that. I said I and can guarantee. And they're heavy and bulky and everything. <laughs> and they're hard, right? It's yeah. it's it's yeah. I mean, I think as we give more room for uh, creative design and for women to be more involved mm-hmm. in creating products, and we're seeing it, we're we're able to create products that speak to us. I can never do things for like um, gyms or a lot of people say can you do those protein shake things i said i don't understand what is their problem with with what they're having right Mm -hmm. now what would i create that solves a problem i need to be in the middle of tantrums with my kids to get inspired to create (laughs) so we can see we can see okay so i can see the citron product line uh, expanding as your as your uh, son uh, gets older, yes. right? So, so then you solve problems for you know ten year olds yes. and to teenagers. Yes, we are launching this year actually a big teenager range. Yeah. Uh, it was the most uh, amazing experience because we invited a lot of teenagers to our office to so mm-hmm. focus groups, and so we first took the moms uh, alone to understand what was the issue with feeding their teenagers at school and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we took the teenagers without their, their parents and, and asked them questions. And the outcome was they were just at different levels of, you just feel they were not speaking the same language because the parents still wanted their kids to eat healthy and to have a lunchbox. And the kids grew to a level where say, we just need to have a sandwich from the cafeteria. What mm-hmm. is the big deal? Just give me money. I'm going to sort out my food. Mm-hmm. And you just could see that the needs were different. So if you were to design from the mom's perspective, we'd probably have a product that wouldn't work mm-hmm. because the kids don't want it. The mom would buy it, but nobody would, would, would use it. So yeah. we had to take a, a totally different perspective on the teens. It was very, very interesting. And you said, so is it, I assume... Uh, you said your team is 99% women, so yep. that's by design, right? Um, I tend to to really, really like to have women around me. I just think that we work uh, differently. Interesting. Um, I have a lot, I mean, I have few men, I mean, a driver, operations, a warehouse and stuff, because by nature, I can't see a woman lifting boxes and doing these things. Maybe it won't be appealing to women to do it. Maybe they would, but in general, uh, we still need men uh, in in our lives. But uh, usually, I like to have more women just because they understand the product more. Most of them are mothers. The ones that are not mothers may never be mothers because all we say is the problems we face with our kids so we can make <laughs> the product. <laughs> so a lot of time the younger ones are like, don't worry, maybe you'll have the perfect kid yeah. <laughs> that eats everything and is not breaking anything. But yeah, it's, it's mainly women and it's mainly moms. Can you name a few things maybe that you take from consulting or from investing that have helped you? So a lot of 80-20 rule. 
So mm-hmm. a lot of my, my, my decisions are not made on 100% correct and everything. We need so can to... you explain to our audience what you mean by yeah, that? Yeah, like a, lo- a lot of time um, you take decisions, like small decisions that could impact your business at a big scale. So imagine um, I need to produce an item where I'm not 100% sure whether it will be sold or no. Um, instead of me spending 100% of my time for a small problem, I just decide that with my gut feeling, I'm going to go ahead for it and I'm going to focus my time on finding ways to sell it. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of, of reverse engineering using all the techniques we have learned from, from corporate to actually take decisions very quickly and focus on on finding ways to for it to work rather than first thinking whether it would work, would not work, let me not order, let me wait, let mm-hmm. me take risks. It is just reverse engineering a lot. Um, I also learned that as a lot of times 100% correct answers don't exist mm-hmm. and we as human beings cannot be experts at everything. So again, um, if someone comes to me and say, uh, we need to do XYZ, uh, we need to do this campaign for back to school and we need to hire um, a very expensive photographer and we need to fly there and we need to do this and stuff, my brain always goes back as, okay, let me break it in small pieces. What is the problem we're trying? But Without me talking to myself, it's just because when we work in consulting, this is the type of problems. You get a huge problem that comes to you and with so many elements, unless you break it down into small things you can do, then it looks like it's impossible to do. So a lot of things that were achieved in my business were because I usually break things down into very, very small pieces and I'm able to make them one by one rather than the whole thing. I fully agree to that. Actually, I remember um, in 2011, I was studying for the CFA. And, uh, and I remember I got the books. I had six massive books. And I looked at them and I, I was going to have an anxiety attack maybe. And I was chatting to my husband and he goes, it's okay, book one, page one, you know, and, and get started one by one. I think if you, if you think about the magnitude of whatever you want to do, you'll probably uh, freak out. But if you break it down uh, into manageable pieces then it becomes doable so what about investing so you you were investing in tech startups uh i'm sure you've seen a lot you were investing at the time where investing wasn't uh as let's say or when funds weren't as available as they are today you have a lot of competition today uh, in terms of uh, angel groups and venture capital firms uh, from here from abroad etc so it was a it was different times i think back then yeah i think uh, back then our biggest challenge was to find startups in the region that could have great ideas um, a lot of time we had amazing entrepreneurs, but they were not used to venture capital or to even investors. So we were not at the same level. A lot of time would say, what if I invest in this startup? Can he at least give me quarterly reports? Mm-hmm. Can he, I mean, his idea is brilliant and for sure he can do it. But we were such at a at very, very, very far stage than where we are today, where people are much more polished. The, the entrepreneurs know what they're doing. They mm-hmm. come with like solid backgrounds. Now we had a very, very different moment. And uh, we did good investments. Um, like Anramia was one of our best investments. Um, it was really, really good. And they were really small at that time. Mm-hmm. So we saw the growth and we saw something really big. But yeah, it was a different time. So you went, so you know, you know the game, right? You know what uh, VCs look for. Yeah. 
you've seen it many times, you've invested in, in entrepreneurs, and then all of a sudden you've built your business, which is not a tech business, so it's not the sexy thing that everybody wants to put money in. Um, so how was your fundraising experience? So uh, when I, after we built the business and uh, I had my twins in November 2019, at that point I had- Are they much, fussy eaters? Uh, one yes, one no. Okay. You have <laughs> other problems you want to solve for. <laughs> other problems uh, that are coming with the twins actually because okay. uh, double buying is a big problem Car seats for, uh, for twins <laughs> everything for twins works uh, but basically mm -hmm. after I had my maternity leave um, I started seeing that Citron has taken really well at the end of 2019 oh, were you still working and with MBC yeah. at the time yes, okay. yes by the end of uh, December 2019 I think um, Citron so I had three people working full-time there and one of them was managing the whole thing because I couldn't manage being pregnant with twins plus Citron plus MBC so a lot of things uh, from Citron were were not moving as fast as they would move right now but I had the team working on that so I was not super um, involved but still maybe on weekends and evenings and stuff but at the end of 2019 we had already sold about a hundred thousand units and uh, the revenues for 2019 alone were almost, I think, a million dollars. So at that point, I said, okay, this business is showing that it has some potential. Um, I'm pregnant with those two girls and they're probably going to be my last kids. Uh, and uh, I want to just enjoy mm -hmm. my time with them and give a little bit more time to Citron. So when I went back from my maternity leave, I went back to NBC for... I would say a few months, and then I realized I couldn't do it. It just could, I didn't find the energy in me to not sleep at night and wake up and and do all that and plus be in corporate and plus have every now and then someone bugging me from Citron. They need this or they need that. So I just said I'm gonna focus on my kids and I'm gonna focus on Citron. I'm gonna make it my plan A. Um, that transition was not really hard, to be honest, because as I said, I already knew that something was happening there. Well, a million dollars is 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 it? Uh, obviously, is I had no idea. Right? <laughs> a, a lot of entrepreneurs with with zero, they 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 think you know I should jump into it. So you did. I mean, a million dollars is a big milestone. Yeah, and and for me again, coming from a corporate where I hear the hundreds and the billions is. Uh, just a million it's nothing so then I, I started realizing that this was a big deal later on um, so I resigned and and obviously 2020 happens where mm -hmm. corona hits I'm very grateful to be with my kids at home and see them grow and everything but the business really took a, took a big um, hit because kids did not go back to school and about 60% of our business is related to back to school because parents usually buy new lunchbox and water bottles and stuff for school. So at that point of time, I decided that oh, I needed to fundraise. timing, huh? Yeah, I mean, everything was perfect. <laughs> uh, I went ahead and I started contacting VCs. So luckily I had contacts of every single VC you can think of of the region. So they were all answering and being very nice and taking calls and and telling me, Sarah, you know, our LPs give us mandates and our mandates is tech. Mm -hmm. And this is nowhere close to any tech element. So I may have spoken to maybe 80, 90 VCs in the region, outside of the region, and all of them had the same answer. 
And finally, I think I spoke to Arzan Capital in Kuwait, who saw something different because they invested in a few D2C brands and they said, okay, we like what you're doing. Uh, we think there is a huge potential and we want to invest. Mm -hmm. So they did come in, took the full round, invested, and... and when was that? Uh, last year, okay. 2021. So it took you about a year, basically, of... Yeah, talking, uh, when out. you sign the term sheet and the money comes, due diligence takes time. I mean, a lot of people don't realize, but it does take time to from the minute you start until the minute it's in your bank account, mm -hmm. because you're not a, as you said, a sexy... A tech startup that is doing Web 3.0 and all those fancy mm. words that I actually don't understand. Uh, so uh, after after that happened, we took the money, we hired the people, and we went on a very aggressive uh, growth plan. Basically, as you know, the fundraising is always uh, based on milestones, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of. What do you mean you didn't get the money? How much did you? Uh, we raised one million dollar. Okay. And we got the money, but it had milestones, right? So you have half when we invest, we give you half, and then twenty five percent. That's not the norm, though, is it? Uh, we used to do it at NBC as well. Really? Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen that though. Yeah. There you go. Um, so a lot of time, it does is based on milestones. So then as we were growing um, so we imagine that 2019 we had almost a million uh, 2020 we had 300,000 so we crashed and this is where we were fundraising where a lot of time I was thinking the investors would say what if you were just lucky last year and by now your product died mm. so uh, and what type of valuation they're going to give you when you're like crashed mm. but luckily they were very nice and they valued based on 2019 and 2021 uh, mm. projections rather than 2020 so all that happened how was as it was it valued as a multiple of your revenue or some other uh, a lot of things so we're cash flow positive so okay. uh, you can look at multiples you can do a small dcf you can do a mix of two okay. uh, so they they have played around with okay. with the two um, so we, we got the money, we hired the team and we said, okay, let's speed up. Um, our target was to reach $2 million in 2021. I think we ended up at about $2.1 million. And, and, and then at that point, we knew that it was not anymore Citroen UAE. We started signing distributors all over the world. Um, we, we, we went ahead and spent quite a lot in marketing and started seeing that our D2C became bigger and bigger and bigger. Direct to consumers. Direct yes. to consumers. So these are people coming straight to your website. Site and buying. Okay. Um, uh, we opened the store last year in Times Square Mall here in Dubai. And the idea of the store was to offer an experience. Uh, it's a store where the kids slide in. Looks very cute, by the way. I saw Thank photos. you. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't visited, but I saw photos. It is, it is very, nice. very built on, we're a brand that understands kids and, and build things mm -hmm. from a kid's perspective. So everything is at their level. The play area is built with products they can open and play with. So the whole idea was, was different than just a retail store. Um, so we did that and we opened about 24 markets right now. And when I say we open markets, it's not just selling one order to a client. So we signed with very big distributors that have targets of sales on a yearly basis and target to build the brand in every market. So when I say um, in the UK, our distributor, we would be available in John Lewis, we'd be available in Harrods, we'd be available in Next. You go to... Um, 
France, it would be the big uh, Carré Lafayette and stuff like that. So we, we really choose big distributors that have the power to, to do these things. And uh, so we're in Canada, we're in Mexico, everywhere. And uh, the beauty is uh, the world has evolved to a level where today they don't care that we're based in Dubai or that we're an Arab brand going to the West. All they want is that the product works and it's aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. Because the minute they put it in the store and it sells so fast, they order again. And they don't ask in their mind, where is this coming from? Where mm -hmm. is this brand from? And all that prototype. I mean, the way people had that in their mind is, is gone. Today, we're very lucky that the consumer wants a product rather than than where it's coming from and um, I want to support only the French products, I don't want to support something else. So we're very, very lucky that way. Um, we, we, we continue to grow in terms of geographies. We have Japan, we have Asia, we are doing a fantastic job. Do you travel a lot to these uh, countries? Used to, okay. <laughs> not so much, but we were in Europe a few months ago to visit all our distributors and we do a lot of fairs. So this year we have four fairs. Uh, and the fairs is where we showcase all our products and get a lot of interest and sign agreements and, and contracts with distributors. Um, and yeah, I mean, this year we're doing a, a big uh, collaboration with uh, Sophie La Giraffe, uh, mm -hmm. the These teacher. These are the, the little kids. Uh, teachers. teachers, the Giraffe teacher. It's a brand that exists from 1850, I think, a very, very old teacher brand, French one. And they have selected us to do all their feeding range. So on all their distributors will be offered our products. And then um, our, so a lot of things are happening to, to boost the brand and take it to another level and, and make it more of an international brand. So I want to wrap up, Sarah, with um, a couple of questions maybe on the Usually, I don't like to talk about, uh, you know, women entrepreneurs and, and so on. But, but I think what you've done is amazing because um, usually a lot of people, not only women, by the way, but when they have a full-time job, they would say, oh, you know, I don't have time. Uh, uh, but for you, not only that you had a full-time job, you had a baby and, uh, and then you had twins. So there was so much going on in your life. And... Uh, and you had to achieve in your uh, in your job because obviously investing is not uh, an easy job, um, and you had you, you were doing it all at the same time. So we're not also. First, I have two questions actually. Um, the first question is, um, what kind of like mindset did you have to have to basically push through and and keep doing everything, um, and. Um, and the other question is, what would you say to, uh, to women that, you know, think that they can't do it or they're too tired? Uh, maybe they're not even working, uh, they're spending time at home and they think they can't do it because of whatever reason. So for me, uh, I've always been a doer. So I'm somebody that you can call hyper um, in terms of... I don't mind working at 11 p.m. I don't mind. I mean, if, if you leave me alone at home, I'll always open my laptop and try to find things, uh, ideas. I always get inspired by this. So I always loved creating, but I didn't know I could do it, as you rightly said. And and the thing is, uh, we a lot of time you use this example. You, you start something and you're 
all of a sudden pregnant with it, right? Mm -hmm. I started somewhere. That agent was working with me for 18 months. I was not gonna let him down because he told me all of a sudden it's 3,000 pieces at the beginning. If I knew maybe it was 3,000 from the beginning, maybe I wouldn't have gone crazy and done it because I would say, come on, I'm not gonna do this, it's too much work. But as I, I learned in the process and I just said, okay, I'm not gonna let him down, I started, I'm gonna continue, I'm gonna find a way. I always believed that no matter what was the problem in someone's life, there was a solution. So that's my mindset, usual. So. We go back to, if I was to tell you create a billion dollar company today, you would be like, oh wow, that's too big, how are we gonna do it? It's impossible, there are only few people. And you will have all the reasons that will come to your mind of how you won't be able to do it. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it of saying, make something that makes you happy, find something that makes you happy, anything, and just push it slowly, slowly until it becomes something big, then all of a sudden you're not working towards just a financial reward, but you're working on personal happiness. And I think um, my son loves this song saying, um, I'm on vacation, you know, oh, yeah. every single, he yeah, always yeah, sings yeah, that, yeah, yes, yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that way. Since I left my full-time job, I felt I never worked again. I just feel every day mm -hmm. I go and it's just pure fun, pure fun. And, and I'm very grateful for that because I didn't know that actually you could feel that way about a job. So for women who are listening to this, then it is, it is doable. Start small, something start you love. Start small, start something you love and, and find something that really you find is fun. Because if you're, you're going to go through entrepreneurship and as you know, mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot of issues and hurdles and stuff. So as much as you enjoy the core of it and you're having fun, whatever comes your way, you're going to find a way because you enjoy it so much at the core that you want to protect it and you want to make sure it always stays that way. So, and, and for me, I have a lot of my friends that start businesses only to make money, which for me was never the case. I always said, I'm not doing it for the money, I'm doing it for another reason. So sometimes when people are just focused on, I need to make money, I need to make this work, they forget the whole purpose of what they're doing. So mm -hmm. for me, look for what you're adding what it is that excites you in life to make someone happy to change someone's life or to make I mean, anything and, and work on it but not necessarily always starts with I need this to be profitable in three months it won't there is no patience, business of course. yes and patience and being very consistent like if even if it's making one small research on google on a daily basis makes you closer and closer and closer but give yourself 10 minutes a day then half an hour then one day then half day but be consistent so like until today i have three hours in a week that i need to be on my own with my laptop is my thinking for the whole week of anything I want to plan. I, I live on Excel sheets, so usually I plan everything in advance. And then I go to the week ready for anything that is out of my control and I need to find a solution for it. But yeah, for me, just jump and do it. And a lot of time uh, we say, surround yourself by crazier people than mm -hmm. yourself because they will pull you up and remove all the negative people that failed and, and, and they think that everything is negative in life. and. Uh, I think surround yourself by positive people is something super important as well. I think another lesson also from your experience is maybe, I think if you say to somebody, find something you love, uh, people might struggle. I mean, maybe I might, str I might struggle with that. I right? think, what do I love, etc. But I think 
from your experience, something very interesting is solve a problem. You know, I mean, we all have kids, we all have jobs, we all have cars, we all have lots of things that we are pets, we all have things that we interact with on a, on a daily basis. So, so use your eyes, your ears, your senses and try to find a pro problem. Uh, 100%. And, and I'm sure a lot of moms can can resonate uh, with what I'm saying because um, while we're raising right now our Series A, um, we are uh, talking to a lot of venture capital outside of the region and they said that they've seen a lot of mompreneur trend grow up all over the world where there were lots of brands and products coming from that perspective that are doing extremely well. So why not? Yeah. You have, I assume you have full support from from your husband, from your family. Otherwise, I think it would be very difficult. I have an amazing support system. My husband um, has been an entrepreneur for a very long time. Obviously, he's on the tech side, so we speak different languages. Uh, but we both of us started our businesses from a real personal uh, need and, and it ended up happening and working quite well. So. He was very supportive. My parents were support everybody was do what makes you happy and, and do it now. Don't wait until you're like 55 or 60 and you'll be like, oh, I regret. Don't live in regrets. Just do it. And if it doesn't work out, go back to your corporate job or do nothing. Whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. And Thank you it. so much, Sarah. That was, it was great to have you, really. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Conversations with Lulu. If you want to know more about Citro, you can visit citro.ae, C-I-T-R-O-N.ae. Don't forget to visit the show's website as well, conversationswithlulu.com. And you can follow me on social channels at Lulu Chazen. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app so you get the latest episodes. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love to hear from you and please consider leaving us a review. I wish you love light and see you in a few weeks. Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today.